freedom is never more than one generation away from extinction. We didn't pass it on to our children in the bloodstream. The only way they can inherit the freedom we have known is if we fight for it, protect it, defend it, and then hand it to them with the well-taught lessons of how they in their lifetime must do the same. And if you and I don't do this, then you and I may well spend our sunset years telling our children and our children's children what it once was like in America when men were free. Welcome back to Gun Freedom Radio, where we engage, we educate, and we inform. We are sponsored by azfirearms.com, the biggest little gun shop in Arizona. Well, coming up this hour, we do have our Responsibly Armed Citizen Report. But before that, we, we want to talk about our theme. Our theme is, I'm voting for my rights. Right? Everybody's been asking for how long? Who are you voting for? Who are you voting for? Well, how about I'm voting for my rights? That takes the personalities out of it. It takes the drama out of it. You're not voting because she's a woman? The, that just makes me hurt when I hear people say I that. That. I, that is, I, I, I don't even have words for that. Because you, you vote for the most qualified person. You vote for the person that's going to support your rights, the person that's going to take us into the future. You don't vote because somebody is a certain color or because somebody is a certain gender. And, you know, really early on in this, uh, when Carly Fiorina was still in, in play, she was my first pick. And a good friend of mine, somebody that knows me, and he was probably just poking the bear a little bit, but he said, uh, well, you probably just like Carly because she's a woman and so are you. And I was like... I wouldn't have poked that bear. I know. And I was like, you know me way too well to have said that. I, you know, I, I liked that she was a business person. That's what I like about Trump. I think that they will go in and drain the swamp. Um, I just liked so many things about Carly. And then it was like, oh, and by the way, she happens to be a woman. And uh, so anyway, um, please, please, for the, the protection of our future, do not vote for either of our candidates because of their gender. I'm, I'm just going to leave it at that. All right. Waiting on the line is our next guest and fellow Arizonan, Frank Schmuck. Frank graduated from the U.S. Air Force Academy. He flew the Lockheed C-141B Starlifter in the first Persian Gulf War, became a Southwest Airlines captain, and now lives in Tempe, Arizona. And now, Frank is running for the Senate seat in LD18 in Arizona, representing Ahwatukee and parts of Chandler, Mesa, and Tempe. Welcome to the show. Are you with us? Yes, I am. It's great to be with you. Well, we are excited to have you. So you, first of all, thank you for your service, sir, and you have quite the resume. Um, but you could be, you know, comfortably just flying around the country in those happy Southwest Airline uh, planes, and you've decided to come into this rough business of politics. So talk to us about why you would kind of unseat your, your <laughs> the serenity of your life to enter this arena. I guess it's pretty simply said. I've uh, lost a couple of good friends from the first Gulf War, and uh, that awoke me to the freedoms that we have and what we fight for. But honestly speaking, I've been given a lot, and it's time to give back. And I think that's the bottom line here. Um, you know, I heard what you were talking about, about, um, you know, voting gender versus voting what's right and looking at business and all that. You know, I come from a generation where one of my first instructor pilots uh, in the military was a woman. And uh, so I understand. I, I, we don't look at it as men and women. We look at it as human beings, as people. And uh, I felt it was really important here for us to bring back some of the Founding Fathers' principles of life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. On the campaign trail, one of the things I said is, when I talked about the word life, I said, I'm pro-veteran. They said, what does that have to do with life? Oh, and I said, well, because what? we fought for life as you and I know it, and we do it all over again. We fought for life as you and I know it. And I think that's important. I think that um, <clears throat> there are way too many things of special interest and in all these different groups that want to come in and push their issues. But the bottom line is, what did the Founding Fathers intend for us here in the United States 
and the great state of Arizona. You know, we, we've got a lot of propositions that come out regularly, and I, I don't think the process that's currently going on is a good process for the people of Arizona. It was detend, intended for the people of Arizona to protect themselves, mm. not to have other states come in here and push their issues on us. Mm. So I, I, I'm a freedom bullet fighter, just like Southwest Airlines was for the freedom to fly, that bags fly free and all that. We are a believer in the freedom to earn will create the freedom to learn. And we've been pushing that message very hard, not for one special interest group over another, but for the people of our district. One in two graduates from uh, the, the universities here in Arizona graduate, and they don't stay here. They go to another state to work, live, and play. We're losing an investment. We're doing it wrong. We need to, we need to attract business to this state at the same time we can generate more revenue and give uh, you know, students an opportunity to go and pursue their dreams. But you can't do it without lifting both things at the same time. That's business and education. So that's kind of where we come from. I know it's a long-winded answer for you, but the bottom line is, yes, you're right. I could sit in the flight deck and just enjoy the rest of my life and do nothing. But uh, my father once said, the Lord helps them who helps themselves. And I believe it's time to help uh, the people of this district. Wow, that was that was beautifully said and not long-winded at all. It was very concise. Now, my husband Dan is is my co-host here, and uh, he's got a couple of questions. I just didn't want to surprise you. Where'd that Cheryl's voice changed? So, <laughs> yeah. Well, Frank, first of all, you know it's hard to believe that you're a pilot, and I can understand you over the intercom. You know, <laughs> you like <laughs> so that's kind of True refreshing. Story, but yes. uh, anyway, um, so. Frank, what do you what do you plan to do? I mean, what is what are you going to do? Like I said, we have this plan. The freedom to earn will create the freedom to learn. We want to phase out the Arizona state income tax and replace it with a much smaller consumption fee that will exempt three basic items: food, clothing, and gasoline, because we're required by law. Although there's some dis- discrepancy on that, but the bottom line is those three three items we think protects people that are on a fixed income: the elderly, the poor, what have you. But in the end, as we remove the income tax, which to me is a barrier to people to want to earn, in other words, we have middle-class families out there, many of them who are working two, some three jobs, and the harder they work, the more we take, and that's just not right. I think America, you know, like I said, life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness, the pursuit of happiness comes from a couple things. Um, It comes from education, and it comes from legal immigration only to our country. People come here because they want to work. They're entrepreneurs. They see it as a capitalist country where they can work and succeed. Why should we punish that from taking more? And when we replenish this income tax loss with effectively a consumption fee on these items, we broaden our base from from 2.5 to 3 million income tax filers to 44 million visitors and many others who come to our state that don't pay for it. You know, when people say, well, we have the tourism and lodging tax. Yeah, that's good for 30 days. But we have millions of people that come to this state that stay for longer than a month and less than six months. And that means they don't pay a dime extra towards extra police, extra fire, widening the roads, and all these things. So we've looked at this. North Carolina is approved uh, recently a 10-year plan to eliminate their state income tax, making them the eighth state in the United States. We think we can do this. You brought up the airline pilot thing. Several years ago, I was uh, captain of a flight from Orange County, California, to, to Austin, Texas. And, you know, just like all the um, armed people that are on an airplane have to come up and introduce themselves to us, they did. And I had an entourage of people that was Governor Rick Perry's um, Secret Service. And I said, what are, you, what are you doing here? He says, well, the governor's here in, in Southern California. I said, what is he doing here? He's not running for president is that he's recruiting business for the state of Texas because they have a great tax structure and no income tax. Mm-hmm. And as we flew back to Austin, Texas, I turned to my first officer, and we're going over the top of our state of, of Arizona. I said, have you ever read the book How Money Walks by Travis Brown? And he looked at me, he startled, and I said, no. He said, tell me. I said, well, uh, Travis did a 15-year study and now longer where he looked at addresses each year to year and the money that's associated with it in income and where it moved. Did it move from higher to lower to lower to higher, however? And what he found was not millions, not billions, but $2 trillion have moved from higher income tax states to lower to no income tax states. Mm. I honestly believe, and so do many others, we've put together a great team, and this this idea is not just for me. It comes out of Arizona State University, W.P. Carey School of Business, the School of Liberty, 
It's done by Stephen Slavinsky, and he reports on five different ways we can phase out or eliminate the Arizona state income tax, replacing it with a consumption fee. And it's not done overnight. It's look, We're looking at five to seven to eight years possibly to do this, but we have triggers along the way. So just like you wouldn't wean your, you wouldn't, you know, quit cold turkey, a, a chocolate, a drug, an alcohol, or whatever, the doctor would say, hey, that's not good for you. You shouldn't do the same thing with your income tax. You slowly wean yourself off and bring the other portion on. And I think when we do that, we're going to generate more revenue than we ever could have dreamed of. And, and we're going to be able to direct it to the front line in education, which to me is the teacher. You know, at Southwest Airlines, we have a unique thing that we've done that has revolutionized business across the United States over 40 years. And, and it comes from Herb Keller, who believed that the employee was important, followed by the customer, followed by the shareholder. Unlike many business schools won't teach you that, right? They think, you know, take care of the shareholder, take care of the shareholder. Right. Not so. So when I look at education, I think, who's the employee? The employee is the teacher, not the administrator. And who's the customer? The customer is the student mm-hmm. or the parent and their family, right? Absolutely. And then lastly, who's the shareholder? Well, the shareholder is the state of Arizona and our business community. So when we can take care of our teachers up front by directing more funding to them, they'll take care of our students, who are our customers, and ultimately Arizona and our business community is going to win because we're going to create more jobs, which means more graduates from our institutions are going to stay here in Arizona, and they're going to work, live, and play. And when they do, we all win. Look, when you eliminate that state income tax uh, off of small businesses, which is the economic engine of Arizona, 97% 97% of the small business is either an LLC, a PLC, or an S-Corp, and they pay their taxes through income tax. When that goes away, that business owner, maybe it's a million or $2 million plumbing or electrical business or what have you, they're saving 4%, and that's like forty dollars to $80,000 a year. What they're going to do with that is either reinvest it in their business, which means jobs, or they're going to consume it. And I guarantee you, they can only wear so much clothing drive so many miles and eat so much food, the rest of it they consume will be on taxable consumables, which means it comes back to the general fund, which means it can be directed at education and everybody wins. Frank, I, plan, I, totally, I, I totally agree that we're running out of time and I'm going to have to cut okay. you off. But listen, we have got to get you back on. We really need to. Uh, I would like to talk to more about this consumption thing, the whole works. But Absolutely. That was that was awesome. And the, the only thing I want to add to that is, you know, there's a there's a push to to push the minimum wage up. Well, right. at the same time, uh, you know the the Obamacare is is jumping way up. The the amount of money that Dan and I, as small business owners, privately are going to pay for our uh, insurance, right? Correct. And so Correct. we are employers. So we're getting squeezed on on that side from Obamacare for ourselves, and we're getting squeezed on the other side by this increase in minimum wage. We can't raise our prices enough to absorb all of that. And what's so interesting to me is that the same people that are saying let's raise, well, let's raise taxes, right? They don't. Right. They don't look at their own budget and their own house that they could clean up to to Correct. relieve some some things. They just constantly keep looking into our pockets. They make us have to pay more. And then they reach out to the 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 people that are in the middle, the people that are employed and go, "Yeah, those evil employers who are so stingy and greedy that they won't give you $12 an hour," all the while deflecting away from the fact that the government could alleviate some of our pain by cleaning up their own house and and you know relieving some of the the budget that we have to come up with um absolutely so i love what you're saying about the the consumption fee we do especially in a state like ours where we do have this huge influx of people that we uh you know we love we want them here um but we you know it kind of makes sense that you know they do use our roads and that sort of thing but we do have to run but you know, we wish you the best of luck on Tuesday. And what would you like to leave our listeners with before they, they run to the voting booths? Well, there's one clear choice in this race. And if you're looking for somebody who knows what selfless service is about, who has served this nation abroad and here, there's only one veteran in this race. And look, uh, I would just say this. Seriously think about it. With Veterans Day coming up, Election Day right before it, think about who has shown that he can serve and will serve. And that's what we want to do. I don't get anything out of this except the gratification that I'm helping people that deserve it. And that's the people of our district. So when you go to the polls on Tuesday, 
Schmuck, that's right. Frank Schmuck is the name you want to pull. <laughs> I love that. Well, thank you so much for being here. And uh, we're going to check back in with you on the other side of Tuesday. And, and uh, we'll be asking uh, Senator Schmuck to come back on. Am I right? Let's hope for that. And let's do it. And uh, let's, uh, like I said, let's create the freedom to earn. So we we'll have the freedom to learn. Fantastic. Thank you so much. Well, you know, we God ran. Bless you. God bless you, sir. We ran kind of long with uh, with our, our hopeful, uh, hopefully, if Senator Frank Schmuck here in Arizona. So we're going to we're going to not run to commercial. First time I've ever done that. And Dan's got a smug look on his face because he's <laughs> he has suggested that several times. And I was always like, no, if I'd have known I had more time. I could ask Frank some more questions. <laughs> Uh, you tell me that. So we are going to go right to our next guest. And uh, our next guest is a, a senator here in Arizona, Sylvia Allen. She is a fifth-generation Arizonan. Senator Allen currently serves as the state senator for Arizona Legislative District 6, which spans from Snowflake to the south rim of the Grand Canyon. Senator Allen currently serves uh, the Senate Education Committee as the committee chairman where she fights for a strong public education for our children. She is also president pro tempore of the Senate and serves as the vice chair of the Water and Energy Committee and Government Committee. Senator Allen is also a member of the vitally important Appropriations Committee. My goodness, you're a busy person. Uh, Senator Allen, welcome to the show. Thank you so much. I'm excited to be on today. Oh, absolutely. And so we, uh, what is going on in your district? Are things hot and heavy or they're contested races? What's, what's happening in, in your area? Well, my district is really an interesting district because it is in rural Arizona and we have tend to have a lot more economic challenges than we do in, in urban Arizona. So I'm, uh, one of our main focus, of course, is the economy and bringing jobs to our area. I've always fought to try to maintain forest jobs because our forest to remain healthy, we need to thin it and to go in and, and get the, those extra trees out to stop the catastrophic fires. So uh, forestry is just big in my district as well as, um, oh, it's been kind of interesting. We've been trying to uh, stop more federally control of, federal control of our land you know, there's two new monuments proposed, and both of them are within my district. One is the Red Rock Monument, and the other one is the Grand Canyon Watershed Monument. And both of those would take vast amounts uh, more of our land in Arizona, putting it under federal control, and, and putting a designation of a monument on top of the town of Sedona, as well as the town of Tucson, which is never have happened before in, in a national monument. So that could limit access, hunting, that type of thing? Oh, yeah, it definitely. But the scary thing is, if you're a town like Sedona, then who has jurisdiction over you when you go to give building permits? And, and um, you know, it, will that layer of a national monument affect that? Could the national monument then tax those properties within its jurisdiction to pay for the monument. I mean, who has the law enforcement? Is the city? Is it the county? Or is it the federal law enforcement? And so it created a lot of questions, which I think are very dangerous. Um, we're praying that President Obama will not designate those monuments. The, the Grand Canyon Watershed Monument is 1.7 million acres. And um, it it just will create a, a whole new set of problems uh, that we just don't need. Sounds like nothing to get done if they approve that. There'll be so much red tape, people won't be able to move. Well, that's what I'm concerned about. And then the right-of-ways, the roads. Uh, as what happened at the Escalante Monument in Utah, they, were, uh, they said to the ranchers they had properties within those monuments, well, you know, you can keep your property, but we're going to shut down the roads that go in there. And they did. They went about trying to close uh, miles and miles of road within that monument. The county there got very involved in trying to keep those roads open. So, you, you know, you just get into all kinds of conflict. Wow. So, Sylvia, in the area that you work, it seems to me like there's a lot of people that are coming from California and they're, they're going to our, our high mountain areas to retire and which means a lot of Democrat and Democrat beliefs. Are, are you faced with that right now? 
Well, my district is is quite unique, I think, in many ways. The we have a lot of uh, Democrats within my district, but they tended to be the uh, the older. De- what I mean is, they were the the working party of the Democrats, the way the Democrats used to be. Okay, mm-hmm. they're not progressive. Is what I'm trying to say. Right. Yeah. Gotcha. And and they slowly have been turning voting more Republican, even though they haven't necessarily changed parties. But however, the point that you're making that there's been a new kind of of uh, in this district, you have Flagstaff, which is very progressive overall, and you have the university there, and and uh, Sedona, uh, which can be quite progressive and environmental. However, within both of those communities, there are very strong people working that are very outspoken, working to to educate their communities about conservative principles, smaller government, um, more of individual rights and property rights. And there's a lot of people that are very pro-Second Amendment and pro-life. And so because of those voices in those communities, it, it helps all of us that are running on those principles. And um, I will tell you that my race has been targeted this time because the Democrats feel that if they can swing two seats in the Senate, that they could then take over. Because our Senate, we only have 17 Republicans. Mm. And it takes 16 votes to get anything out of the Senate. Oh, my. That's, that's, not that's good. tight. Uh, the public needs to know that. Well, I've been trying to educate them, uh, well, my district, on how important my race is and that um, we cannot afford to lose um, the majority in the Senate because, one, it'll just throw the whole state off uh, because you won't be able to get bills out of the House through the Senate. The governor won't be able, you know, to get his agenda through either. And so, so- my worry is our budget. We have worked very hard to balance our budget, and it took a lot of very hard votes. But now we're starting to see the good results of that, and I don't want that to, you know, something to happen that we don't continue down the good financial path that we're on. Absolutely. So in your district, you know, you mentioned the monument thing. Now, at first blush, it sounds like, oh, what an honor. You're going to have a monument. But I'm so glad you went into the details about why, oh, wait a minute, at second and third glance, this is not an honor and actually restricts the rights of the people who uh, want to be able to use that land the way that they've always been able to, that sort of thing. But other than that, in your district, what are some of the the hot button issues that are going to motivate people to get to the polls? Because everybody's focused on the presidential, but they don't understand a lot of times that it is just as important to vote in your local, your city, your state elections. Um, so is, is it the Second Amendment? Is it, uh, what, what is it that's going to get people off their sofa and in line at the vo- voting booths? I think, well, one, one issue that is important in my district is education. And you mentioned that I am the Senate Education Chairman. And Actually, we had a banner year for Arizona in education this year. One, because we had our ba- our budget balance. We're starting to see revenues come in above projection. We started being able to put that extra money into education. Prop 123 was a huge success without raising taxes, be able to boost three $3.5 billion over the next 10 years into education. So <clears throat> education is a- an issue that, uh, I'm really big on um, CTE and JTED education, where I want to make these partnerships with our community colleges, businesses, and our high schools to get kids trained in uh, all kinds of career type of um, so that they can go right into the workforce that they want to, or they go right into wanting to go to college, prepare to go to college, but they have skills that help them earn their way through college. Well, that's excellent. And I know that, you know, it's funny because we we have a, a gun store out in Avondale, Arizona, azfirearms.com. And we have friends who are in the education uh, world at various levels. Some are 
uh, teachers, some are in administration, that sort of thing. And we kind of laugh because we, we're in such completely different fields, but they're both so, I, I mean, they are things that cause people to get polarized and get fired up and get in arguments. <laughs> yeah. And it just seems funny in a lot of ways that, uh, you know, education, it just, it doesn't sound like something that, you know, people would be going to the mats over, but it gets, it gets pretty heated, doesn't it? It really does, and, and always the big argument is that Arizona is not funding education enough. And uh, I'm trying to, to change that a little bit by saying, listen, uh, the effort that we put in to fund education, uh, our general fund budget, at least 50% goes for education in Arizona. We make a huge effort as taxpayers in this state to fund education because it is an important issue to all of us. But we also have to understand there's other issues that demand our attention, and, and we have to look at those. But what takes an excellent education is the teacher that's in that classroom and the parents involved in that child's education. Mm-hmm. And then, then we'll have su- success. And I want to put more emphasis on our teachers and the appreciation we should have for them and look at ways to help raise their salaries within our state. And... Uh, we should be proud of our education in Arizona. We have the top three high schools in the whole country are all in it. You know, three of them are in Arizona out of the top ten. Mm. And um, we have a lot of things we can brag about. Do we need to make, uh, you know, their improvements? Sure. Mm-hmm. But I'm proud of our state. All of my kids were raised in public schools, went to public schools, and they're great adults, and they're very successful. Now, other issues that my state or my district's concerned about, uh, there the, some of the more conservative issues like pro uh, pro life. That that's an issue that's pr- still very strong in my district. Uh, that's and then also the Second Amendment is very strong in my district. Mm-hmm. And um, both of those, I have a hundred percent voting record on. And. <clears throat> I hope you'll excuse my voice. I came down with a cold the last couple of days. That is fine. And actually, we do need to start wrapping up. But I, I just I want to wish you the best of luck in uh, in the election come Tuesday. And just before we say goodbye, what would you like to leave our listeners with uh, before they go off to the, the polls on Tuesday? Well, I hope that they will continue to support me at the polls and reelect me to be their senator. I have been so honored to serve my district. I love my state and the people, and I, I want to continue to be of value to them and to uphold a good constitutional conservative principles. And I want to encourage everybody, you ought to go take a look at the National Republican platform. It is the best platform we have ever had. And I can tell you that, that my seatmates, Bob Thorpe and Brenda Barton and myself, we will hold that platform, and it's a lot of, I know you were talking to Frank Schmuck before, mm-hmm. and a lot of the things that he talked about are in that platform, too. So I just hope people will go to the polls and let their voices be heard and, and send us back there to continue doing good work for the people of the state of Arizona. Fantastic. Thank you so much for taking the time on a Saturday. I hope you're feeling better. Oh, thank you. <laughs> Senator Sylvia Allen of Arizona Legislative District 6. Bye. Thank you. Bye-bye. All right. Well, stick around because we have coming up just on the other side of the break that we are going to take this time, (laughs) a friend of the show and a friend of ours, Dave Kopp, who is the president of the Arizona Citizens Defense League. Hey everybody, this is Joey Rocket Shoes Dylan, world champion gunslinger and Hollywood gun coach. In the Westerns, there's always a good guy and a bad guy and sometimes the ugly guy. And I always root for the good guy, which is why I'm here to tell you about the good folks over at azfirearms.com. They are straight shooters and always give you the best deal in town. azfirearms.com is the biggest little gun shop in Arizona and have something for every single gun enthusiast. Long guns, pistols, hunting, military 
military, law enforcement, home protection, you name it. And when you've got some guns to sell or trade in and trade up, azfirearms.com are the folks to see. Geez, they bought a cannon once. They are family-owned and operated, friendly staff, courteous, totally reliable. azfirearms.com will give you the best value for your used guns. So stop in, see my friends Dan and Cheryl Todd at azfirearms.com in Old Town Avondale off the I-10 and Dysart Road and tell them Joey Rocket Shoes Dylan sent you. Don Collier here, letting you know that you won't get fool's gold at Pot of Gold Auction. They're the genuine article. Pot of Gold Auctions off guns, coins, jewelry, and antiques of every kind. Stop in and see my friends Dan and Cheryl Todd in Avondale, Arizona for some live auction action. Or check them out on the web at potofgoldestate.com. The Second Amendment Foundation is the organization that protects our right to keep and bear arms. They defend our rights in courts from coast to coast. Now they need our help. Go to saf.org and join the Second Amendment Foundation today. Dedicated to promoting a better understanding of our constitutional heritage to privately own and possess firearms. Support those who support our Second Amendment rights today. That's saf.org. Welcome back to Gun Freedom Radio, where we engage, we educate, and we inform. We are sponsored by azfirearms.com, your nationwide hometown gun shop. Living in America. Oofta. Right now? <laughs> it's kind of scary. Oh, well, it's, it's, been, uh, it's been intense. Let's just say that. Well, we want to get right to our guest. We've been talking to a diverse group of people today, and each one involved in preserving and protecting our constitutional rights. And our next guest is Dave Kopp, who is the president of the Arizona Citizens Defense League, the AZCDL, helping Arizona gun owners face the formidable fight against anti-rights groups and legislation that limits our Second Amendment rights. The AZCDL is where grassroots activists take a stand, working at the Arizona legislature to get strong pro-rights bills written and passed into law while stopping bad bills. Are you with us, Dave? I am. Well, welcome back to the show. I always love having you on because you kind of, you, you, the whole group that you're connected with, you give us hope. Because you are, the, you know, the watchman on the wall, and we need you there. But you guys have got to be exhausted all the time. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> well, I, I, Dave, I don't think you're really working it. I think you're living it. I mean, people that work, they go and they work from 9 to 5, but you live it. You are in it constant, day and night. Thank you. I, I do try to get some sleep once in a while. <laughs> <laughs> and you got a family and those sorts of things. Yeah. But so right now, just kind of help people understand, you know, we we're in between legislative sessions. And so, you know, there's really they're not meeting. You're not right there um, at the, the Capitol right now. Is that right? You're just gearing well, up for for January. Yeah, it's it's what we refer to as the interim period. It, 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 we call it the slow time, uh, which means that we're not stopped. We just slow down a year. Um, as a matter of fact, we had a meeting uh, just this, this past um, Thursday with, with a senator talking about some potential legislation. Uh, you know, so we, we don't really ever stop. We just kind of slow down a bit. Uh, legislative session starts second week of January. Um, from that point, we're just in top gear all the time until it ends, which, you know, technically the law says uh, it should end by day 100. Uh, sometimes it does. Most of the time it doesn't. And so, you know, from January till anywhere from April, May, even June, we're going all the time top gear day in and day out. Uh, from June back till January, we're just going slower. So what you're telling, like, gun owners is you're reloading your ammunition, right? <laughs> Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> okay. I like that. That's good good imagery. And the thing is is that the onslaught, the messaging, the um whatever you want to call it, it never slows down. It never takes a break. And so you you've got to be listening to the rumblings of of what's going on not even just in Arizona. 
right? But all across the nation. Yeah, I mean, because everything is related, everything is interconnected. Uh, you know, as you and I discussed not too long ago, what goes on in the national level has a direct impact on what happens here. So, uh, for example, if uh, certain parties get elected to the presidency, then Mr. Bloomberg and his billions of dollars may be redirected elsewhere. So we may not face as immediate a threat of, of a ballot initiative mm-hmm. because, hey, you know, let's face it, he's going to get what he wants at the national level, so maybe he doesn't have to attack us here. Mm. So from that perspective, maybe we get a little bit of a breather there, but all that means is we just get attacked at the national level. Mm. So, you know, it's either you're getting hit in the face or you're getting hit in the body. So, you know, for, for us, it's just a question of which tactics do we have to use to counter the blows. Absolutely. Now, have you guys been sort of pre-gaming behind the scenes? Do you kind of have like a strategy of attack? Uh, so if if Trump gets in, then this is what she, we should expect to be dealing with and fighting. And if Hillary gets in, this is what we should be expecting to deal with and fighting. And I don't want you to reveal anything. But do you have you done that or are you just kind of like wait and see mode? Well, yeah, we always do that, you know, because you can't wait for the attack to have a plan. And, I mean, you know, you guys know you, you take defense courses, you give defense courses. And, I mean, that's a fundamental of all self-defense, whether you're defending yourself or you're defending everybody's rights. You know, if you if you waited until somebody's attacking you to have a plan, then you waited too long. So, yeah, you know, we've got to have that plan in place. And so, yeah, we've been basically for the last several months been trying to figure out, okay, if Mrs. Clinton gets elected, then what do we do? If Mr. Trump gets elected, then what do we do? And let's face it, it's going to be one or the other. I know there are other candidates, but none of the other candidates have a realistic chance of winning. Mm-hmm. And so, uh, and not to say that anybody should vote one way or the other, but they have to vote their conscience. But, you know, those are the, one of those two candidates that's going to win. Mm-hmm. And so, uh, so we have to plan realistically. Uh, you know, everybody uh, follows their own ideology, but we have to to be realistic as to what we have to do when we have to do it. Dave, have you been following the elections uh, locally? And what do you think? Are we going to be able to hold the seats in the Republican side in Arizona? Uh, in my considered opinion, based on on my experience, I think we will. Uh, that's not to say I couldn't be wrong, right? But uh, and, and I know that the Democrats are, are literally pouring money into certain races and, and and their supporters, you know, guys like George Soros and Michael Bloomberg, like we discussed, uh, they're, they're really, really putting a lot of effort into to taking especially the Arizona State Senate. Um, but I think we'll hold it. And it's just, you know, I, I've seen this sort of thing before, and generally it doesn't come to much. And I, I think, again, in my experience, I think Arizona's electorate tends to be center-right. And uh, and we tend to be freedom oriented. We tend to be very pro rights, and I don't think a lot of what they're spending money on is going to pay for them. Well, I'm. We were just right before you talking with Senator Sylvia Allen, and mm-hmm. uh, she was you know helping us understand some things that are going on in her district. But right. she was helping me understand a little bit closer, about, a little more about how close it is in our in our Senate, that right. there's we have 17 Republicans, and it takes 16 of them to agree on something to get it passed. All the while, the Democrats that are in there are almost always going to just oppose them just because it's a partisan thing, right? right. And right. so it's so important to hang on to every one of those 17 seats, and people have a chance to, to speak their mind on that this, this coming Tuesday, and we, we hope everyone will. Um, well, yeah, and Senator Allen is one of the ones who's under a pretty heavy fire, and I think she will hold out. I certainly hope she will hold out, but we're going to need everybody in her district to support her. She's you know, a solid uh, Second Amendment supporter, and she's always been there for us, and I certainly hope that we will be there for her. Well, I do, too, and you know, we, I know you've done everything you can do. You know, as we come up to, to Tuesday, I think the best thing we can say to each other after this hard-won fight is, you know, to ask ourselves and to encourage those that have done, ask ourselves, have we done everything we could to get the message out there, to support the things that we believe in? And I know I can look at you and say, you have done everything and more that you could have done. 
And so, you know, whatever Tuesday brings, we, we just have to already be ready for the next go-round, right? Well, and that's exactly it. You know, and again, we've had that discussion before, too. But, you know, everybody has to do whatever they can. And I know a lot of folks out there are holding their nose this year and saying, good Lord, you know, could it get any worse? But trust me, I've been doing this a long time, and it can always get worse. Well, Dave, so, we, we have... Like, don't ask. Don't yeah, ask. Somebody yeah. will answer you. Dave, we have, uh, you know, Trump is going to... When Trump wins, we still have a lot of issues that are going to have to be covered. We need to help with California. We need to help get the uh, national uh, carry bill passed. There's a lot of things we have to do and, well, and to keep them from attacking us again. Well, and exactly. I mean, you know, if, if Trump wins... It, you said he is, as a candidate, a fairly pro-gun guy, yep. a fairly pro-rights guy. But, you know, again, this is only the national stage we're talking about. You've still got Bloomberg and Soros and Jeff Bezos and, and uh, uh, you know, uh, what's the Bill Gates from Microsoft and all of these billionaires pouring money into state-by-state initiatives. Nevada, our, our, our friends in Nevada are facing that right now. Our friends in Maine are facing that right now. Our friends in California are facing that right now. And, and we're on the block, too. You know, they're looking at us. We, we dodged a bullet this year. We didn't get that initiative this year. But it's not like they forgot about us. They just got enough on their plate already. And they'll get around to us sooner or later. So, you know, all of these folks are fighting these battles now, and we've got to help them. And by helping them, we'll be helping us down the road. Well, absolutely. And we do have to wrap up, but... You and I were, well, all three of us really were in Florida recently at the Gun Rights Policy Conference. And one of the things that that really stuck in my brain that we heard one of the speakers say is that uh, one of the reasons that the Democrats uh, have been tromping us politically lately is because their, their ground game, their future game is so far ahead of our future game. And I just never really thought about it that way. You know, I do think we just kind of, uh, we, we run up to the finish line and, and deal with whatever it is, and then kind of regroup, and then start working for the future. Um, and it's changing the way I'm thinking, personally, about a lot of things. I don't think that's how the, G, uh, the, um, the AZCDL works. I don't think that's how you work. But I think we should kind of think about that inside of ourselves. Are we, are we only involved when, you know, it is the World Series? That's, you know... <laughs> I, I was a very Johnny Come Lately uh, fan for the the Cubbies, but you know I, I was right there rooting on that last night. You know, uh, but we need to be there in in the slow season and the tough season. Um, what do you say about that? And and relate it to the the AZCDL and help people understand how they can uh, get involved and and support what you're doing and join. Well, I think one of the points that was made at GRPC, which which I've made many times, and, and you know, I'm a perfect example of it. There's too much gray hair out there. Mm. Uh, you know, we need to reach out to the younger people. It is not like they're not a receptive audience. You know, I try whenever I can to go and speak to high school students and college students, and even folks at that age group that don't shoot, that don't own guns, tend to be receptive to the idea that. Well, you know, even though I don't own guns, it doesn't mean I don't think you should because they're a very freedom-oriented generation, Hmm. and they understand that people have rights and those rights shouldn't be interfered with. And so we need to reach that and strike that chord with these folks. And, and, you know, despite the fact that a lot of us older folks, you know, we we look and we see blue hair and we look and we see piercings and we look and, and we see all these things that are kind of alien to us that should not put us off from the idea that we can reach out to these folks and strike that freedom cord with them. And, you know, we need to do that because too much gray hair. I mean, I look in the mirror every day and I see all this gray hair. (laughs) (laughs) You and me both. You know, (laughs) where did the young guy go that used to do this? But, you know, we need to reach out to these folks because we're not going to be around forever and somebody's got to take up the cause. Absolutely. I love that. Well, tell folks how they can uh, find out more about the AZCDL and then we've got to run. Uh, well, the best place is the website, www.azcdl.org. You can learn all about us there. You can join there. And most importantly, for these next few days, you can find out all about the candidates there. We have links to everything, including candidate info, state, federal, local level. 
and this is good for anybody. You put your, your zip code and sometimes your address if, if your district is one of those that has multiple zip codes. And anywhere in the country, it will work to get you information about your candidates so you can be an informed voter. And we have some great information on there at www.azcdl.org. Fantastic. Dave, thank you so much for taking the time. And uh, we appreciate everything that you do. And uh, I'm, I'm really looking forward to connecting back with you on the other side of Tuesday and say, OK, here we are. Now what? Will you come back on? Absolutely. Fantastic. Thank you so much, Dave Kopp. Thanks for having us. Bye bye. All right. Well, stick around because we still have a responsibly armed citizen report coming up right after these messages. Hi, I'm Bob Main. Now that you have your concealed carry license, I think you and I probably both know that that class probably wasn't really training. Have you ever thought about getting some training beyond your concealed carry? license. Well, that's why Ben Branham and I decided to call our classes Beyond Concealed Carry. We're going to teach you how to move and shoot, how to shoot one-handed, even how to shoot and make hits without the use of your sights. And if that's something for you and you think you'd like to take advantage of that, as a Self-Defense Radio Network listener, you can get nice discounts on the classes and the subsequent video programs for reinforcement. All you have to do is visit the listener discount page at selfdefenseradio.net and put in the password SDRN, all lowercase. Again, the listener discount page and all lowercase SDRN. Hope to see you at a class soon. And we're back with Cheryl Todd talking about the huge gun buying event at azfirearms.com. Oh, AZ, I get it, as in Arizona. Yes, but... Oh, or AZ, as in everything from A to Z. Well, yes, that too. But what I'm telling everybody about is that azfirearms.com is having a huge gun buying event to buy your old firearms all across Arizona and everything from A to Z. That's great news. See, my grandpa left me an old shotgun and it's just sitting on a closet shelf at home. So I can bring that into azfirearms.com and sell my gun. Absolutely. AZFirearms.com buys, sells, trades, and even consigns your old firearms. Any vintage, any style, military, long guns, handguns, hunting, or home protection. Single items or entire collections. We offer the highest value for your used firearms in a safe and friendly environment, staffed by knowledgeable people. AZFirearms.com is Knolltown Avondale off I-10 and Dysart Road. Come on down to the huge gun buying event every day through the end of the month at the biggest little gun shop in Arizona. And for all your firearm and ammo needs, visit AZFirearms.com. Come listen to the Self-Defense Gun Stories podcast. Hear about armed civilians protecting people they love. Were they lucky or were they prepared? Come listen and learn at selfdefensegunstories.com. Be a part of the gold rush and head on down to see my friends at Pot of Gold Auctions in Avondale, Arizona. Or check out the auction online at potofgoldstate.com. These folks auction off guns, coins, jewelry, and antiques of every kind. Everything is going, going, gone. So you best hurry and tell them Don Cogger sent you. America! Welcome back to Gun Freedom Radio, where we engage, we educate, and we inform. We are sponsored by azfirearms.com, the biggest little gun shop in Arizona. Speaking of azfirearms.com, you know, we just run that ad. We've been running the ad, Gun Buy Event. I just want to tell everyone, we are buying a lot of guns. It's interesting. And I want to keep that event going until they quit coming in the door. We're buying anywhere from 50 to 300 guns a month. You know, isn't that interesting? Because, you know, the the big news stories are that everybody's running out and, and buying guns rather than selling guns. But uh, there's a fair portion of guns that we're buying that are coming from California. Because why? Because they fell asleep at the wheel. And on Independence Day... They lost their freedom and became criminals. Yeah. And that, you know, I would like to do something to try to get California back into the United States. (laughs) 
That's Speaking funny. of, I, I wish States, it was though. funny. It would be more funny right. if it wasn't true. But but really, I don't know if, if everybody understands what we're saying. But uh, on over July fourth, fifth of this year, there were a bunch of initiatives that got passed in in California, and now nothing changed about the person who owned the gun. Nothing changed about the gun that they were holding or stored in their safe. But it was suddenly now illegal. Put them on the wrong side of the law, and people are nervous. They're freaked out and they're they're selling their guns because they're just too afraid. They're more afraid of the government than they are of of danger walking in their door. And that's one of the biggest things I have to do is when I talk to somebody in California, it's convince them that I'm not law enforcement. Yeah, they get nervous. You know, but what they don't realize is we're that, not a sting right, operation. Right. You know, once once I'm bad. there and I take possession of the guns, everything's le- it's legal. Yeah, you know we, you know, and and think about it, you're trying to do the right thing, mm-hmm. but it, it, it is shame. But speaking of America, mm-hmm. Constitution. Oh, right? that's right. We're it's not too late. Even though voting is three days from now, mm-hmm. not too late. We're giving away free pocket, pocket constitutions. Absolutely. All you have to do is email me. It's at talk at gunfreedomradio.com. Talk at gunfreedomradio.com. Just give me your address and say, I'd love one of those pocket constitutions, and I will get one off in the mail to you right away. Uh, And thank you to everyone. Uh, We announced this last weekend, and thank you to everyone that reached out and asked for their own pocket constitution. You know, it's amazing when you think, you know, like Obamacare is supposed to be as tall as a, I don't know, a three-story building. I have no idea. But it's like, you know, as tall as a human being. And our Constitution, it's, it's in, in your pocket. pocket. Yeah, and I also like to Who's taking the time to read it? A shout out to Scott. He's our shipper. And he said, how long are you going to keep doing this? <laughs> I mean, he's getting irritated. But you know what? We want to give him out. We want to educate. That's what our job is. So if you want one, please email us. Absolutely. All right. Well, my response will be on Citizen Reports, a little different than normal today. I'm basically pulling out uh, what I did on Independence Day, and uh, it takes a few minutes to get through, uh, so i, I got to dive right in. So, our responsibly armed Citizen Report. Fights a never-ending battle for truth, justice, and the American way. Well, I said it was a little different than usual, and if you did listen over the 4th of July weekend, it's going to sound familiar to you, but I thought it was just too perfect for the patriotic theme of today and and our mindset as we're going to the polls. But, um, you know, it turns out I always have a, a, a news clip when I can find one, and it turns out it's kind of hard to find one from the 1700s. So <laughs> what I did was I found one of those movies that we would have watched back in school in like the 1970s, and I think you'll enjoy the nostalgia of the dramatic voices and sound effects. And, you know, we're just a couple of days away from Election Day, and when we, the citizens of the United States of America, will decide and place someone at the helm of our republic and our futures. And I want us all to be deeply mindful of a risky proposition that was undertaken by some brave men and women some 240 years ago to enact this great and grand experiment in freedom. Our forefathers came to a time and a place when they realized that action was required to change the way that we were governed. Today, we are going to talk about a time when danger came in the form of an oppressive government treating the citizens as subservient and as subjects. It was a time when people came together and said, no more. And anytime you can, you cannot back up your no more with an or else, it's really just more of a suggestion than a command. How did the people of the colonies command that things change, that no more oppression was going to be tolerated? How did they have the power to stand up to an army of soldiers by each and every household being filled with responsibly armed citizens? A war has begun, and America is without an army. Here are 13 colonial settlements, more or less united by the common need for survival. For years, they had found it necessary to require every able-bodied man to own a serviceable musket and to spend some time training in the local militia. This provided the bare minimum of protection, be it from bandits or wild animals. 
But now, the newly formed Minute Companies have appeared, marking a new step toward preparedness. King George III declares the colonies to be in a state of rebellion. Full-scale war is ordered to bring the Americans into subjection. But freedom-minded leaders speak out. Is life so dear or peace so sweet as to be purchased at a price of chains and slavery? Forbid it, almighty God. I know not what course others may take, but as for me, give me liberty or give me death. So, you know, when you think about that, when you listen to that, all we are asking today is for you to get in line and vote or fill out the ballot and stick it in the mailbox. We're, we're past that time now for this election, but that's all we're asking. We're not asking you to, you know, what, to go through what these people went through. Do it for the children. <laughs> that's a private joke. It gets under our skin when everything is, you know, oh, but it's for the children. But so it is therefore, for the children. But it is. It is for the children. It really is. But we, we prefer, you know, the more logical and uh, approach rather than that emotional tug that, that the other side always uses where everything's for the children. Anyway, I digress. So back to my story. The responsibly armed citizens needed to train for preparedness, as the video stated, and as a militia in order to be able to fight as a focused force. Nowadays, in peacetime, we each stay proficient through individual training efforts, and if necessary, we could convene under organized training, focusing our efforts against a common foe, a common oppressor. Danger is kept at bay and has a shallow foothold when met with resistance, when met with an or else backed up with that resolve that was expressed in the words, give me liberty, or give me death. Thomas Paine spoke for many and inspired others when he wrote, These are times that try men's souls. The summer soldier and the sunshine patriot will in this crisis shrink from service of his country. But he that stands it now deserves the love and thanks of men and women. Tyranny like hell is not easily conquered. Yet we have this consolation with us, that the harder the conflict, the more glorious the triumph. What we obtain too cheap, we esteem too lightly. Tis dearness only that gives everything its value. Heaven knows how to put a proper price upon its goods, and it would be strange indeed if so celestial an article as freedom should not be highly rated. So these words spoken generations ago, they were spoken long before political correct correctness has silenced the tongues and the courage of so many, but they are still so true today. The summer soldier that he spoke of loves the idea of freedom, but does not actually do much about it. The sunshine patriot that he spoke of, the sunshine patriot of today is likely someone who engages in hashtag campaigns, but who does not really know the issues and does not take any serious measure to reach out to our representatives and only votes out of convenience. Summer soldier, sunshine patriot, these words describe someone who loves comfort more than freedom and describe those who say things like, well, I'm a gun owner, but, or I want freedom, but where would we be today? Where would all the millions of people who have fled oppression the world over and come to the United States be if we hadn't had those responsibly armed citizens who fought the danger of tyranny? And where will our children and our children's children be if we ourselves do not continue in the tradition and the footsteps of being responsibly armed citizens? The words of Washington, quoted from an earlier letter to Elbridge Gerry, were proved valid. There is nothing so likely to produce peace as to be well prepared to meet an enemy. 
Well, all we're asking you to do is vote. That's it. Get educated, get informed. Do not be a fence sitter. There is always something that you can vote for or something you can vote against. Figure out what that thing is for you. Show up at the polls on Tuesday and vote. Well, Dan, we're at the end of another show. We want to thank our tech crew. Thank you so much over there, Blade. You're just a master at the phones and the board. Thank you to our listeners. What, what we do here would mean nothing without our listeners. And for our guests, we so appreciate our guests for taking the time to come on and, and educate us and bring us up to speed on what's going on in their particular area of expertise. Well, guys, this is it. When Tuesday comes, we're going to know what awaits us for this 2016 presidential election that feels like it's been going on forever. And so during this time, as always, pray for our nation. Pray for our leaders. All of them? Yes, Dan. Even the ones you don't like. But can we pray that they don't win? <laughs> I mean, I don't know. I'm just asking. I'll leave that up to you, but uh, pray especially for the ones you don't like and be good to each other. Have a great week and God bless. Our founding fathers here in this country brought about the only true revolution that has ever taken place in man's history. Every other revolution simply exchanged one set of rulers for another set of rulers. But only here did that little band of men so advanced beyond their time that the world has never seen their like since evolve the idea that you and I have within ourselves the God-given right and the ability to determine our own destiny. But freedom is never more than one generation away from extinction. We didn't pass it on to our children in the bloodstream. The only way they can inherit the freedom we have known is if we fight for it, protect it, defend it, and then hand it to them with the well-taught lessons of how they in their lifetime must do the same. And if you and I don't do this, then you and I may well spend our sunset years telling our children and our children's children what it once was like in America when men were free. <laughs>